Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second episode of the MLS Junkie Podcast. Take two. Really? <laughs> uh, I'm here with my teammate, Brad Rada. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Let's do this. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I'm just going to recap some news stories that have recently taken uh, front page. Dempsey officially cleared for the 2017 season after five months of uh, being laid off due to a heart irregularity. Uh, says he didn't really want to talk about it to the media, says it was personal, but that he is cleared to play. Brad Davis of the Houston Dynamo, a 10-year veteran, the winger signed a one-day contract to announce retirement as a Dynamo. He holds records for the Dynamo in games played, starts, minutes played, and assists. He, in my opinion, is a legend at the Dynamo. I wouldn't be surprised if they retire his number. Uh, he won them two MLS Cups, two Eastern Conference titles, and scored the first goal ever in their stadium. So that's pretty iconic. Uh, the Whitecaps are signed to signed to set. No, set to sign Freddie Montero. He spent four seasons at Seattle before getting sold to Sporting and then was taken to the Chinese League. Uh, he's set to come back into the MLS, uh, play for the Whitecaps. He had 129 appearances, 47 goals, 36 assists for the Sounders. Columbus Crew signed 20-year-old Brazilian midfielder Artur de Lima Jr. They all sound the same, I swear. Uh, for, on a season-long loan from Sao Paulo. Traditionally, loans in the MLS have an option to buy it's very common but the club did not disclose whether or not they had the option with this particular case i wouldn't be surprised if they do i don't know why they would not tell anyone but then again i don't work for the club and lastly minnesota trying to sign u.s international winger gat the 25 year old is a first division player in norway he's played six six seasons out there and has won three titles with them so that's where we are in recent news. And something that's just come on the radar as we're talking about the MLS, something that affects the MLS largely that I didn't think was going to affect them, the Trump ban. Now, I'm not going to give political views on this show. I'm not American, nor do I care that much about American politics. However, it is rumored and now confirmed by Grant Wall, an ESPN soccer analyst, that a designated player or a wanted designated player decided to not come to the MLS because of the Trump ban and quote said that he did not feel safe in the USA I Brad I I didn't even think that this was uh, an issue like not not in the sense like I know it sounds horribly ignorant but I didn't even think players would think like that like I guess I totally missed that political aspect yeah I mean it's not something that you it's not something that you associate first and foremost when, when Trump was elected and especially when this executive order was made the last thing on your mind was probably how does this affect the MLS but I suppose the more and more you think about it now that this story's come up you kind of do think uh, actually the ramifications of Trump's behaviour has has large scale implications for so many different people and people in the MLS players in the MLS are just one small party of people that are affected and you know it's if this might just be the start of 
a powder keg maybe we're going to have to wait and see but if one player's come out and said it you can you can bet your bottom dollar that there's going to be a few others you know and that's that's not good for the league that's that's not yeah. good for the league so, at all that's, that's very interesting when I was reading that but enough politics in that <laughs> sense uh, so this podcast that we're bringing to you we are redoing by the way because we had some audio issues with the first one. Oh, so many technical <laughs> issues. <laughs> so many technical issues. But we're going to start off with the issue of the salary cap. We've talked about this a lot. Do you want to start this off or do you want me to start this off? I'm going to follow your lead. All right. I, I want to follow your lead. So the salary cap. A lot of people say that they want to increase the salary cap, that it will bring bigger players and therefore increase the quality of the league. And while I do agree with that concept, I have to disagree with the fact that the MLS was made in 1993, right before the World Cup, to promote the sport in America. For Americans. For Americans. That's that's the key part, right? That's the key part, is that it's for Americans. Football and basketball in this country are looked at as the professional sports of choice. And that's the culture that the U.S. has embodied, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I do respect the MLS with trying to say, hey, soccer is a good game. It's a marketable game, obviously, from a business perspective. And we want to make it just as professional as the NBA or the NFL. And I think they should probably just chase the NBA and not worry about the NFL at the moment because I actually looked it up today did you know all NBA sorry all NFL teams are worth 66 billion dollars combined really Jesus wow that's that's, that's pretty startling isn't the, it really? the NBA isn't even close that's isn't even close that's bizarre that's why you thought you, you would have thought they'd been a, a little bit more comparable yeah, than that absolutely the same crazy kind of ballpark, absolutely you know? crazy anyway um so I know for me the salary cap I think the salary cap is good where it is uh, if if they want to raise it a little bit, I understand, but not much. I I think that that would take away from players being domestically produced. Now, me and you have seen that that mind map, that awful awful mind the map. Flow that, that, yeah, uh, the flowchart. Yeah, the flowchart that that I'll that I'll put up on the screen, and how and how, oh god, how bad that thing is. Um, basically distinguishing what is a homegrown pl- talent and what is a domestic talent was an international talent etc and how you would get those players into your roster it's very complicated really needlessly complicated with a league that wants to promote raising domestic talent not even uh, j- just uh, domestic talent as well it's more it's it's the globalization of the sport as well i think there's got to be there's got to be a a happy balance and a happy medium that you find on this because this is where i was going to come in and say Increasing the salary cap maybe marginally, in 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 the way that it could could attract better players from Europe, and this goes back to again what we were saying before about the retirement league sort of phase of, of the MLS. Mm. Um, they need to get out of that. They need to uh, get out of the business of just just recruiting these these big name sort of quote unquote has beens um, yeah. from the Europe from the top European leagues, which is fair enough. That was that was the marketing scra- uh, strategy to start with. That's fine. But now it's got to be moving away from players that are in the twilight of their career and bringing in the best talent in the in the in the heights of their career. Yeah. Uh, if part of that is going to be is going to be attributed to raising the salary cap, fair enough. 
But it's it, it's got to be said that the most important thing to do is to protect um, is to protect the, the core buyers of what a salary cap is for. As you said, it, it's about promoting domestic talent. Yeah. Um, American and in some in some cases Canadian uh, footballers for the Canadian clubs. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is something that the MLS never never ever should lose sight of. And and I think as a as a bit of a as a bit of a romanticist when it comes to to football, I think that it, it it's with the best intentions. This salary cap is all designed for youth development of of, of, of like I said, domestic talent. So that should never ever the, the the opportunity for for talent to be brought in from Europe should never outweigh the the possibility of bringing in and developing the best uh. The, the best talent you've got uh, growing domestically. I yeah. think that's, that's definitely something that the MLS needs to well, we are, keep hold of. Yeah, we are going to talk about the development of domestic talent in both the collegiate sense and the uh, club the sense. But um, just to touch on the salary cap again, I, I personally think that there are only a couple teams that have used the salary cap and the designated player rule to their advantage. Yeah. Um, I think that People argue, you know, bigger salary cap, blah, blah, blah. I think that clubs need to focus on using their three designated player rule well. Because I think a lot of teams don't. Like, for example, right? For, now, don't get me wrong. I understand that not everybody's made of money. Let's let's throw that out there. Yeah, I'm not... Close, close, yeah. These are business owners, but a lot of them don't see this. This is a hobby, essentially. Yeah. To, to, to most of them, if not all of them, right? Yeah. So... Spending the money is just part of the game. And, I mean, like, Toronto brought in three great, marketable designated players. Josie Altidore, who's played abroad, has done well and is a U.S. international. Michael Bradley, who's played abroad, has done well and is a U.S. international. And Giovinco, who was arguably in the prime of his career, could be playing for a European club and yet chose Toronto FC and has stayed at Toronto FC for the last couple seasons. Right? So yeah. I, I think that's a good idea. Now, some people could argue, including myself, that three designated players that, let's say, FC Dallas has brought in, even though I want them to be very good, they're not the same as... They're not the same as... Same kind of accusations. Yeah, they're, the, they're, yeah, they're just not the same accusations. Like, LA Galaxy did it well. They brought in Alessandrini, yeah. uh, DeSantos, and I think they have Van Damme. Yeah, and I right? think I, th- I think that it or varies club to young. club, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's, not, it's purely the discretion of the club. If you are trying to be a a marketable giant as well as competitive, you're going to have to come up with a, a strategy that reflects that. Yeah. TFC went out and did that, and did it with with success. LA Galaxy exactly the same. Um, New York City are doing it as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's those kind of it's those kind of angles that the clubs are going to take. They're going to dictate the way that they go. Even Orlando's doing it. Absolutely, yeah. You mean Notorino and uh, what's his name? Oh my god, Kaká as well. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. But that, again, that's that's totally at the discretion of the club. It depends on what what kind of in what kind of fashion they want to run. Yeah. Um, but for me, and again, this this goes into politics and that, and <clears throat> football politics is is frustrating at the at the best of times, but. Is that where all clubs sort of make a, a conscious effort to bring in the most marketable? Because um, let's be fair, talent is marketable. Oh so, yeah. So you bring in you're bringing Giovinco. 
But I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely not. Ab- absolutely right? not, mate. So, no. Of course not. Especially when, when we're talking about the growth of the MLS and what it needs to be propelled to the next level. I think, I yeah. I think it's, it's, it's almost encouraged. And I think that's something that it, it's going to help. It's definitely going to help. You know, you're bringing the most marketable players. Um, and like I say, you know, talent sells, talent is marketable above, above all things. Um, that's going to bring the viewers in. Absolutely, you know, so. Yeah. That's that's just one small part of it, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes or no, do you think that there should be a bigger salary cap? <sighs> bigger, yes, but not big. Tiny, I, I tiny, get, get it's going to have to be marginal. Yeah, I know yeah. that's a very ambiguous kind of answer, but. Big I enough th- to get, big enough to get bigger stars yeah I th- it's, it's almost it's almost crucial I don't see a way where the MLS can continue running on, on on the same kind of salary cap as it was or as it is doing when the price of everything is getting so much more expensive yeah. right? especially when you talk about and, w- and we spoke about this the other day when we consider like the current current footballing climate and the footballing economic, economics the way it is right now it's never been more difficult for the MLS to to attract foreign talent, um, to attract the best talent in Europe that they possibly can do for how big the reputation of the league is. It's never been more difficult when you've got the emergence of China and all the money that they're throwing at it. Um, that's their strategy at the end of the day. The, the Chinese strategy, the Chinese league strategy, is to go and poach all these players that are playing in Europe's top leagues. Um, Igalo, Oscar... Um, you know, there's that many that have gone over. By the way, for, for Bitcoin, I yeah? just like to I just like to throw this out there. You went from Oscar to Igalo. To mean, be fair, though, I, I mean, no, no, Igalo's a baller. No, Igalo's a baller, but like, I understand what you're saying. Oscar to yeah, Oscar's, a, Oscar's a Premier League. That's player. crazy, but I mean, like, they did the same thing for John Owen McHale, and I don't agree with that either. Like, yeah, how well, much the money they draw for him. Anyway, but these, but these not are not a league. But, but that's the, that's the thing, is it? That's just the thing. It's it's all relative because. China have got their own model of how to make their yeah. their league marketable and to bring bring in their support eventually, or maybe I guess this is a plan for them to bring in that many good players, that many marketable big names from Europe that eventually everyone's going to tune in and watch the and uh, and, and yeah and watch the Ch- the Chinese Super. I got I got a, I got a little bit of a hot take for you. Go on. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but Toronto FC and Vigo were um, they were. Oh, What's the word? They were shown. They were brought up with a offer from an Italian team for Giovinco. Oh, they they received an offer. Yeah, and this and the agent. I think I think this is a quote, but I'm not sure. He said it was for a very very large sum. Yeah. And and right. So and he said that he said that he did not want to go because he made a promise and he made goals with Toronto FC, and after those goals are done, then that's a different story. And I think if we would have won that championship this year. It might be Ofskis. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, like, I would hate to say it, and because uh, I love watching the guy. Yeah. But I, I think so. I think that's what he was saying. Like, he plans to win everything with Toronto FC. But once that's checked off the list, then you know, on to the next adventure. Which I mean, kudos, man. If you leave with the championship, but you helped us get there, yeah, I will noble. salute you forever. That's so, noble. But yeah. but not every other player is going to be like that. Yeah, I, read, yeah, yeah. I read an article the other day. Um, Dries Mertens. Um, Napoli. No, uh, he's Na- not. Napoli. No, no, no. He, there was um. There was an article on the BBC the other day that I was reading. Uh, Merton's come out and said that it's no wonder that these players accept these offers because the money is it's borderline criminal. It's stupid. Oh yeah. And if, okay. if you can, I mean, you, th- this money can set you up. I think it was Merton's that said 
it's it's very very hard for people to stay grounded and level when you are being offered sums of money that can make your grandchildren's children wealthy. Oh yeah. You no, know, it's going to take care of your family for generations to come. Oh, and yeah. if that, and at the end of the day, you that that that's that's nothing that you can sort of like discard from an argument of when you know if someone if someone turns around to you and says, um, I can pay you x amount of well yeah x times three thousand more for your job than you're currently doing yeah most people won't even blink and and and, yeah. and take the offer you know so i can understand why people why people want to do that um why i mean Pai, he was well, when he was at west ham um he had had offers from uh, the chinese league as well didn't he yeah. but how this relates to the mls in that sense is this is what they're up against this league is trying to grow and it's following a business plan based on throwing whatever money you can at the uh, the, uh, the biggest players in Europe or big players within Europe, trying to gain that marketability and that and that um, and and that reputation to bring itself to to the China League. That's what you're up against. Yeah, it's never been harder. It's never been harder. And if that's yeah. what you've got to compete against, whilst whilst maintaining the core values of your salary cap, it, it, it's nothing. It's nothing short of a massive task. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's. You know, th- this is where the MLS have got to be savvy. The MLS have got have got to be have got to be strong with their core values, maintain the salary cap for its for its uh, core use, uh, for its foundational uh, use, but they also need to imagine it. Well, I'm going to agree with what you said, and I will definitely say that the salary cap needs to get bigger, but not drastically bigger. Just just to throw in a little bit more talent and experience to help the new guys out absolutely um, it's, it's all marketability and even though the MLS and let's, let's be clear it's, it's made great strides oh yeah um, great, strides, great strides it's made great strides in, for sure. in, in where it's come from for sure. um, and the people I don't, the MLS I don't think need to be commended for that I don't think anyone in 1993 ever thought it was going to be like this probably not but it's probably a pipe dream right. to be what it is now it's probably a pipe dream but you know you achieve yeah. one set of goals you've now got to go and, and make it bigger and I think that that is what they're in now and to be fair in regards to where people want the MLS to be uh, I think it's still more or less in its infancy as bizarre as that sounds Yeah. from, 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 from where it started to where it wants to go you know so this is going to take a lot of work this is a long term project this is going to this is going to be requiring some major imagineering um, and some visionaries to really pilot this um, and market it in the best way possible without neglecting its uh, its core values you know yeah I, I do agree with you and one of the, well two of the things we're going to talk about first one is um, whoo development of professional academy systems right so you come from a culture that is yeah. more prevalent than here, yeah. uh, at least for soccer. Yeah. The basketball has AAU, which is pretty pretty much the same. Yeah. Right. Um, football, football just gets unbelievable coverage. Of course. I I remember I remember here watching a video of a high school kid. They have high school games here, don't they? Like yeah. on like on TV. Like well, that's crazy. I I um I heard it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't too long ago, actually. When I first when I first moved here, I heard about the um, the rivalry. I forget one of the schools. I know one of the schools is um, Bluefield oh, High School. Oh yeah, 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 just down the way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not a clue what the other school's name is, 
but but like I, thousands of people go out for that. Yeah, I heard I heard yeah. something. I heard the figure of about about fifteen thousand people turning up to watch a high school football game. Oh god, it's it's crackers, mate. Oh, Absolutely crackers. You think about well, especially for me, high school sport back home in England. That sounds fun. You'd, 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 be, you'd be lucky if, if your dad, when he was walking the dog, came and watched one of your games. Whilst yeah. he was walking the dog, I and barely, then, I, I had, left after 10 I had my, Yeah, I had my mom show up once in a while. That's because she worked from home. It's, 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 it's not the same culture, is it? But again, like this, these are the culture differences. These are the culture differences. But that's something that's it can't be ignored, can it? Especially yeah. when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to developing the MLS as well. These are the things that have got to be embraced because the Americans, yeah. uh, the the American league is going to have its own flavor. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk from I'll talk from personal experience. Like, I, I do believe that too many clubs are, are pay for play. Like, uh, the the academy system that I won't name it, but the academy system that uh, Kwame that went to New York City recently in the draft, uh, Kyle Lauren, Richie Larea, uh, and other players in the MLS. Those guys came from an academy in Canada where it's it's five grand a season. It's so, a lot of money, man. And you know what? There, there are some talented players that simply just don't come from families that have that money. Absolutely, you know it's, I mean? it's it's only the same same thing in. Now I, I do know in cases where where coaches they're, they're lenient because that they know the kids are just that, that the kid is just that good. That, that's sad though, isn't it? Because I mean, it's that's almost saying that if you're not of a certain socioeconomic status, then you're gonna struggle. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. If if that was the kind of system that was employed at home, by home I mean England, some of the best ballers that we've produced are, are inner city kids. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know many inner city kids yeah. that can afford that kind of money to, yeah. to just to join a club. You know, so oh, that's yeah. how viable is that, and how how much longevity is that gonna gonna give to producing the best talent? I'm not sure. Probably not much. Yeah. So that's that's another avenue. That's something. That, that's a great point. That's something that needs to be. Needs to be reviewed, yeah, because uh, that's not an organic sort of foundation for yeah. breeding the next the next talent. Yeah, I also I also think that more money needs to be spent on the coaching staff themselves than absolutely the big shiny buildings. Absolutely, yeah. I mean that's that that's the thing. These big these big shiny buildings are good and they are a utility. Obviously, the best facilities in the world serve the best players. Yeah, um, and thus the correlation. But at that kind of grassroots level, the quality of the coaching is going to Overall, it's gonna above and beyond, above all, be what separates the good players or the average players from becoming great players. Well, something that's interesting is that I feel like the coaches are only brought up due to politics. They're not like they're not brought up in the American system and the Canadian system to be um, quote unquote like they're not like they're not brought in for their records. You know what I mean? Like at the highest level. You yeah, mean. like like Toronto FC won't hire a coach because or or fire him because his record is bad. Let's say they have a Dutch coach came from Ajax does does well technically, but then leads the second team into games and they go like 0 and 8. They won't fire him and they'll still give him the power to make executive decisions on who to keep on the team and who to get rid of. And I know of key instances where they threw away some great talent because those guys make some horrible decisions. I think there's, there's politics that go on at every level of football though not not just the MLS but I suppose oh, it, no, no, it for seems sure. to be for sure. with that being said it does seem to be there is a lot more 
Maybe I'm picking on it because every other league has their shit together, and because we're struggling, I'm just... I mean, not struggling, but because like we're where, not where up to at. par with everybody else. Yeah, maybe, maybe that, yeah, maybe that amplifies. Yeah, right. That kind of stuff. So, but like, I don't know. But I do think, I do think more emphasis needs to go into the whole development of professional, a professional mindset when it comes to the sport of football or soccer as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's something else just to add on to that is, yeah, you talk about uh, youth academies um, of these MLS clubs. They can do so much. These players that are going to go into the draft also very true. Yeah, are going to be for the majority of the time at their Division One school, which then like leads you on to the point that the, the, the Division One schools have got to have got to improve the, yeah. the standard of coaching yeah. there, the standard of that's a absolutely. player coming through those yeah. schools have got, has mean, got to be better because that that inherently that's what's going to be feeding yeah. into the into the American League. Yeah, you know what? D one D one coaches get shitloads of money anyway yeah. for for what their job entails. So. I think that for the money that they're pulling, they could definitely pull in some decent talent. Whether it be whether it be domestic coaches or coaches that I don't know, coach in the first division of Norway, let's say. Yeah. Right. So yeah. coaches like that. Um, I think that they need to do some serious revamping when it comes to the NCAA because not many teams. We we talked about this before. Not many teams look at the MLS and go, "Oh, that that's good football." Yeah, that's what they want to play. Because, because right? I mean, because, because I mean, like that's what the that's not, what the brass is. Not, it? is it? It's yeah, because we we had an we had an incident, right? Where where we had to revert to some kick and run football. Not going to mention any specifics, but I think you can I think you can uh, deal with me on this one. Okay, um, I'm, and if that's what you have to play, that's what you have to play. But that's not the most attractive style of football. We understand as football is why. That's we, fair enough. It has to happen sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. I, if, but if you're if you're trying to develop a league that is technically proficient and by in, by doing that, the overall quality of the league improves, you're going to have to breed these players a certain way. There's going yeah. to have to be a culture right. in, um, in American football. I mean, you look at, I mean, I'm not, look at the, look at, look, look, look at, look at, yeah, look at Spain, look at Germany. Um, I was going to say England, but that would just be a poor joke. Spain and Germany both have big footballing cultures. You know what, you, you you see a Spanish player play, and they've been bred. Wherever they've been at, they've been bred. They oh, have yeah. they have a certain finesse, a, a certain technique, a mentality of how to play the game. I don't get that from an American player. I don't. Yeah. And I'm not. And, and that's no disrespect to any American players. I played with some fantastic Americans since I've been out here, um, who were maybe even the majority of the time better than the English lads that I play with. Um, and, and and again, another reason that it's no disrespect to, to Americans is because the English lads don't have a don't have a mentality or a, or a culture anymore anyway. Because our game is just as rugged as yours is, um, and we've and we've we profess to be the country that created the game. Yeah. So there's yeah, there's no disrespect coming from that kind of angle. But what the the basis of, of my point is, these players need to be bred a certain way wherever they come from. Um, and wherever they wherever they end up starting out uh, from in terms of wherever what club they're involved in, what school they end up attending, all that kind of stuff. There's got to be some kind of culture put in place, a national culture, a national identity of football. Um, and I don't really see one. Yeah, I don't really see one. Well, we t- we talked about this uh, earlier. I'm going to say that a lot, by the way. Remember, take two. But. Um, like Texas, for example. Texas is mainly an American football state, 
and they only have three D one universities that have soccer programs. Yeah, that's that's you know that's that's pretty shocking when you look right. at it. You know? So like Texas, Texas A and M, they don't even have soccer programs. Like it's not even in the cards for them. It's, yeah, because they cause, just haven't embraced it. They don't want yeah. to. There's no at, point to that. And you know? at the same point, at the same time, they think that to be fair, and it is like their culture down there is all football. Like south of the border, a yeah. lot. Uh, so if you ask. Americans, what south of the border is, it's accents and football. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's right. It's not, so, it's not wrong, is it? Um, so yeah, I'm. For me, that there does need to be a culture embrace and some I kind th- of culture. An, an, yeah. an implementation of a culture that is going to be looked upon by that's going to be set by the US soccer. I think federation. I think I have a better word than culture. I would say identity. Yeah, just yeah. Right, some, an, ty- an some type of identity. Some type of because right now it's just. A lot of guys that play, and we we can also we also have some first time experience with this. Some of the guys that play are just giant physical raw, raw athletes. Yeah, raw and, athletes. I think, and, and, that's and there's another, nothing wrong with that. No, they, no, of course not. But they course haven't not. been coached properly. The, the, no coaching and the baseline sort of level of technique is sort of like thrown out the window just because they excel in the physical side of the game. That is that's a concept I'll never be able to understand. But when you when you look at the, when you look at how all other American sports are looked at, it's all based on athletic ability before it is technical ability. So it's no surprise when you look at it from that perspective that it's then transcend, transcended into, yeah. into the, into the MLS into into American youth soccer. From that perspective, I guess there's no surprise. But it's whether there's no surprise or not, it still doesn't make it, you know, any more any more acceptable to to someone like you and me. You know. Yeah, I. I'm shocked by it. I know, like, I knew that it was a little bit, like, I definitely knew that the leagues here were more physical. Like, that was not... Of course, yeah. Right? Like, that wasn't a question. But it's the fact that even even watching the MLS, some games are just, like, they just call it, like, as some people call them, popcorn. Yeah. The ball's just going up and down the pitch, but, like, there's no structure to the way the game's played. There are no playmakers to put the ball down. And there are just guys that, there are really big guys in the front who are really fast yeah. and really strong. Launched, the ball was being launched by the big lads at the back. Yeah. That reminds yeah. me of when I played when I was like 13, 14. Yeah. Big lad at the back, kicks it to the big lad at the front. Yeah. Goals so, get scored. Yeah. But uh, let, me, let me ask you something then. As, a, as, as an MLS advocate, mm. um, would you say that the there is a big gap in quality between the, the top teams in the MLS and the bottom teams? Uh, in the MLS? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a big golfing class, or is it? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because the bit, and where where it stems from is we go back to using, uh, using the money that they have, well. Yeah. You have three designated player spots. In my opinion, those are three very important and influential spots. Yeah. You can do what Houston did, and rely on luck of the draw. Yeah. Or, you can go out and purchase people like New York Red Bulls, New York City, Toronto, LA, and get competitive and play an attractive style. Football. And that's the thing as well, bringing right. these these designated players from abroad. Like, I mean, obviously people might sit here and think, well, that negates the whole ethos of of, of developing domestic talent. No, oh, that, that's going to disagree more. You know, that that's going to entice yeah. young talent. Yeah. If it was, if, for, for example. Can you imagine when, playing with uh, Absolutely, like, absolutely. That's, that's crazy. I, I remember thinking this when um, when Jack Harrison was originally 
uh, drafted by oh. uh, Chicago, right? Dude, he he is my favorite. When He's he, one of my favorite. Players. When he got, and I can see why. When um when he got drafted by Chicago, and then it finally came out, um that he got traded to New York City. Can you imagine what how much trade, Jack Harrison? What's that? What a trade! Oh yeah, worldy, worldy. <laughs> um, but it, but. Can you imagine how much Jack Harrison must have wanted to manufacture that move himself? Although although he's got all these representatives around him and the club's uh, representatives and and uh, all that kind of stuff manufacturing the moves themselves, can you imagine how much that that pull was on him to go and play with Frank Lampard, to oh, go yeah. and play with Andrea Perlo? Yeah, you know it's and David Villa, David Villa, yeah, Champions League winners. Oh lord, that that that, that pull is massive. So between those three players, you you have what? Two World Cups. Two World Cups. Each of them have won the Champions League. Crazy. <laughs> like, the, no way. And that countless powers, titles, really. Yeah, and that Countless pull, league titles. That pulling power massive. Yeah, can you imagine what that is? Like, I'm, I want to go here. Because, like, at that point, at that point, you can't even be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm just going to go play in the LS. Like, he clearly stated that. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go here because I want to learn from the best in the business. Absolutely, guys who can, guys who master their craft. Oh and yes, have seen yeah, of class wingers. So what I need to do to become another class winger? Well, you see it every single day. I know this is a little bit of a superficial thing to say, but you see it on Jack Harrison's Instagram all the time. You know, he's, he's with those guys and he's learning off them. Oh, yeah. although, although that is just for quote unquote for the gram. That is what's happening on a daily for him. That's what he want, well, That's what he went for. Oh yeah, for that's sure. That's what the best the best players want to do. The best players want to work for, with. With all the with the other best yeah, players, and I mean, know? I can't give him crap if I if I was with Giovinco Bradley and out the door, I'd definitely take selfies with them. Absolutely, so, <laughs> but I know I'd definitely be trying to learn off them for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Right? These so, are again, these are masters of the craft. Probably yeah. not Altidore, but <laughs> no, 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 big up Altidore. He's he's still the guy. He's still he's still the big guy, isn't he? You know what? I, I'll actually get into the debate with you. I I could, I I think that the MLS is a great place for him to be. Absolutely, yeah. Again, but it, 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 I think it is built. For Jose Altidore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with a that. A very, very big man who's very, very strong, but has very good technical ability. Yeah, he can put a ball... Te- he can... to get by. Yeah. So, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that at all. If that's, if, you know, right. Do your thing, man. That's, I mean, that's what you're about. Uh, we're not going to talk about Sunderland, but... <laughs> no, that, that, that'd be a waste of a few yeah. minutes. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What were we talking about? Um... Uh, yeah, spending your spending your DPs wisely. I, huh, I just think that, I just think that the DPs and the whole salary cap thing, like that's that's to mold a club and to bring up the standard. And like we said before, it goes back to what what we said. It's it's to be a tool, um, in whatever way that the club sees fit. It's a marketing tool. Yes. It's above above and above all things. It's to improve your squad. Yeah. It's so to bring in the better players on the biggest wages. Yes, and I, I remember the specific question. You said if there was a disparity from the guys at the top from the guys at the bottom. And my first part to answer that question is yes, because the three designated players in the top teams, the top half teams, yeah. are so clearly better from the bottom. Yeah. Right? So just alone, there's a difference. And then when you look at everything else, yeah, it's... Like even even players across the board, they're just better because of the players that they've brought in. So they're so they're able to entice people. Hey, we have Giovinco. Hey, we have De Santos. Like we Lon- have these guys. I feel a bit like how the, there's a pull of of the London clubs. To oh yeah, to, to yeah. players that are coming to England. 
Yeah. Um, fortunately, the Manchester club still do hold that um, hold that pulling power because they are two great clubs, particularly Manchester United, one of the best best club teams to to ever be on, on the earth. But the pull of going to London is getting stronger and stronger for these players. They want to go and play for Chelsea. Well, that, that's another thing. Is another reason why I was going to say youth talent. Uh, kind of struggles is because I know from my personal experience and players that I know that have gone abroad uh, we talked about Junior Hoylet yep. right and then there are other players that I can mention that have played with Toronto FC for a long time and once they reach about 16 17 years old they get their agents to look abroad and then they go to championship teams and that's the problem the place one team and second yep. division whatever whatever and they decide to you know f off and do their thing, and, and that's I, the oh, problem kudos it, yeah. to them. I mean, kudos to them. They're doing what they do at a high level. Yep. Um, and to them, there's not a lot here because exactly. in, every, and that, in everybody's mind, right? I know for me, when I play, I want to play because it's fun. Yeah. Right. You n- you never negate the fact that it's if it's never fun, then don't play. Yeah. Like if it's not fun, then you don't play. Right. But. Every time I step on that pitch and I get in a game or I get in a scrimmage, it's just because not only do I want to have fun, but having fun level. also means that I want to get better. Yeah, yeah you want you want to win. You want to play you at a good level. I, you want to better yourself as a player. You want to play at a good standard. Yeah, exactly. You want to adapt to that standard, and you want to play at that level. And I think therein lies the problem. That's another re- massive, massive reason for, for the MLS to look into these strategies to, to globalize the MLS, make it more popular, thus bringing in the talent thus making the league better better quality because you can't be losing all your talent your young homegrown talent to the other other, other foreign leagues you can't be doing that. that that is not sustainable for the quality of the league you have to, you, you you can't be doing that you have to be breeding american and canadian youngsters to play in the american canadian leagues but if the if the standard of the league is not good enough like you say junior hoylop was not going to stick around he was good enough to go and play for play, yeah. play for Blackburn when he, when they were in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, he, he's good enough now to play. Uh, he's still, is he still at QPR right now? I think he still is. Well, I mean, he's, he's still good enough for that as well. And the Championships, no, you know, it's it's a great standard. So it's got to be about developing the league to serve those better players. Yeah. Plus, in it, it's it's a rolling it's a rolling cycle, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, uh, I, see. My opinion is like. There are a lot of things that the MLS can change at the moment, but my main thing is just both both American and Canadian cultures just need to change in in, in a certain aspect before anything else can move forward. Um, like the the bringing in of superstars is obviously a big movement, but we we talked about it privately and we talked about it publicly before um, that. The MLS is going to be enticing to people here, not just because it's it could show good football, but also because they add their quote unquote flavor. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. That that we talked about. Uh, the flavor being for the listener, uh, pyrotechnics, loud music, uh, light effects, light effects, stuff of that nature. That it all happens at MLS games. You can't tell me that they don't. I've been to a few of them myself. And it has to because it happens in the NFL, the NBA. Yeah, the you know. NFL, the NBA, even the it MLB. Wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be American sport without it, really, would it, if it would yeah. even transcend into the MLS? Yeah. I mean, you know, American American sport is always looked at as overdone, right? Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, and again, that's but, the flavor, isn't it? Right, and that, the, only, the only problem is, is 
at the moment, I think it's hurting the MLS. But I'm not saying stop it, and I'll explain why. Um, but at the moment, I think it's hurting the MLS because these traditionalists that we've talked about, I'm throwing air quotes around traditionalists, don't see that as, I want to say appropriate behavior, of, yeah, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, it's like they look at it as so extra that somehow yeah. it negates what the league is or what it's trying to Which do. It's like, oh, yeah. the league's trash. Why? It's like, oh, you see the pyrotechnics and all that. Like, that's not that's not football. Yeah, but they wouldn't be saying that if the quality of the league was better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a package thing. You know, you slag one facet of the league off, you've got to slag it all off because it highlights the other failings, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, But I think... You know that that's going to die out eventually. Eventually, these traditionalists. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think. The, the traditionalists eventually are going to stop. Are going to start with that attitude because there's not going to be many tra- traditionalists as the generations go on, and it's going to become the norm for people. Um, so, with that being said, eventually that's just something that you, you can either you can argue it blue until you're blue in the face, but it, it's going to die out eventually. It's going to become accepted. Um, but. Another th- another thing that I believe and I believe strongly is that Americans have got to embrace this sport themselves. They oh, were like, for sure. like you said before, instead of being taking a back seat to football and and, and uh, the NBA, um, it's got to be thought upon as a serious sport that is is shown the same love and attention. That's not going to be easy because it's never been shown that care and attention. It's hard to uproot. Yeah. Sporting, sporting preferences and sporting cultures that have been ever present in this country since day dot. Yeah. For me, I was I was born into the religion of football. Like yeah. that, that's just growing up English. That's for the way it's, it's done. Exactly for for Canadians, it's hockey. So and 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 evidently for for young lads and lasses here, it's basketball and American football. So can you rewrite history, so to speak, and put your own twist on it where? Where American soccer is as is the dominant sport, probably not. Um, but these steps have got to be made to make it even more com- come to the fore of American minds. And you know how I think that's a good idea to do that. I think the media needs to get their head out of their ass. Okay. More coverage, yeah. More co- just any fucking coverage, man. But the thing, the, the thing is that the, literally football twenty four seven. Absolutely, but again, that's the, that's part of the culture. That's part of the culture. And I think as well, I think bringing in the bringing in the massive TV deal that the the NBCSN has got with bringing the Premier League, that's one small step. Yeah. But start broadcasting every MLS game as well. Yeah, I mean, get, get not, these multi-million dollar uh, TV deals and put your money where your mouth is and I think, broadcast it. You know what? I, I'm obviously all for that, but I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying cover it on ESPN. They they the final between the Seattle Sounders and Toronto. Was is bare is barely talked about. I was talking. Uh, I was listening to a show called The Herd. Yeah, okay? yeah. On on I think it was an FS one. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but what's it, his name? What's your man's name? What's his? Uh, Colin Coward. That's the one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, like I, I love. I love Colin Coward. Yeah. I think he's. A, I think he's great. Great broadcast. But um, him and Christian uh, Christine Leahy. But I, like when he was talking about. He was talking about oh the season like the 2016 year of sports was unbelievable. No he mentioned he mentioned the MLS once. That's he right. said he was like, "Oh, Villanova was decided on a game-winning three. The football was decided on a uh, on a, on an overtime on a first time ever overtime. Whatever. The NBA was was in that last like minute of the fourth quarter in the finals. Yeah. 
and then he's like, he's like, Seattle won in a shootout against Toronto, and I was so mind blown that he mentioned it. I had to, I had to go back <laughs> in the in the podcast. I was like, no way. But then he went on a couple days later, and he mentioned that again, and it never came up again. Interesting. I think that's, right? that's a reflection of the, sort of the state of the game in America, isn't it? You, yeah. You, your your country as a whole, apart from the diehards, is yet to accept it. And I also think that those broadcasters are under the pre-conce- preconceived notion that the MLS is making no strides or way it, too little strides to talk about. It's, it's, it's almost like it's universally a failing entity. Yeah. This is not worth the coverage. So this becomes one of those situations where, from where I'm sat, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Does it have to be where the media and the media coverage inspires the fan base and brings in that kind of popularity? I think that's the way it go myself. I think that if you don't beam these these MLS games to the American audience, then you know how are you going to appeal to them? How are you going to bring those American fans in? Because ultimately, that that's the market. You know, America has yeah. has so many billions of people in it. That's the market you're trying to appeal to, and then you can worry about enticing the European audience. After it's got to be about enticing the American viewers, which means putting it on American TV screens, and you've got to be involving. You're going to be putting on the sh- on people's screens as many MLS games as you get Premier League games because you get absolutely. I was I was fascinated when I first came over here, just how many Premier League games get covered um, on on Saturday, Sunday, and then obviously on mm. on a Monday for the Premier League. It's got to be exactly the same yeah, kind of concept, yeah, to, maybe to, even more. Yeah, to be fair, MLS. to be fair, you have to realize that, that was a that's a fairly new concept. Like when I like when yeah. I came over here when I came over here for my first two years, maybe it, like it only started being on NBC for like the last couple of years like it wasn't it wasn't that big yeah yeah right? and they but, had, but they made a big deal out of that oh it, well, it is it right? is a big so, deal to be fair yeah, yeah, it is. beaming in the premier league is one thing that that gains popularity and that's probably what helps the slowly but surely big growth of, of soccer yeah, it, as, as a general sport but now that's where, where i come to what i said before about beaming the mls games yeah let's now take it one step further and get people involved in the american game because it's way more yeah. relatable yeah it just it just doesn't help to me that like I, I go on I go on these ESPN websites or I go on like these ESPN uh, shows and all even when even when no football is being played it's still talking about football. Yeah. Like I understand there's an off season and you can have like obviously you can have trades and stuff like that go on. I'm not saying don't cover that. Cool. I would yeah. never say not cover that. But talking about if there's an MLS game that was on Give it, potentially yeah, potentially yeah yeah just just potentially deciding, like, just show the highlights for God's sake. Do something. Like, give it, yeah, give it the, uh, like the kind of coverage. New York, like, like, a, like the New York derby. Yeah. Show that. Why not? Yeah. Be like, this well, is what happened. Awesome. This is what happened in Yankee Stadium. But again, right? I think that goes back to what we said before. It's it's about do do they really feel like people care? People probably would care if you show if if you would show it. So, I, d- I don't you know what I think I think it is like I hear I hear a lot about these people saying all oh, like risk taking and blah 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 I think that that's the thing is like they don't want to take any risks they would rather just talk about the safe bet which is football absolutely yeah of course right talk about where Tony Romo might end up it's, it's, for the money, it's money spinning season. for them there is you know their views are going to be affected negatively by uh, by sticking American soccer on as opposed to sticking American football or the NBA on it's yeah. just it's just but that's what I'm saying fight. ease them in with some highlights of important games, at least of the week, and that, and that's the thing, isn't it? That's where the the, the general disrespect to the MLS gets yeah. shown, even by people who are American. 
yeah. and American broadcasters, and that is a very sad state of affairs when that starts to happen. Yeah. But this is again, this is where we've got to break out from these, um, from these kind of preconceived ideas that Americans don't care about soccer, so we're not going to show it. We're not going to show the American soccer league. No one's interested. Well, yeah. actually, they are, and they would be if you beamed that footage and beamed those kind of those kind of coverages. Yeah. To the American people. Yeah, and, and we talked about this before. We'll talk about it really quickly. It's just, I know that you agree with me that it's the culture of being just fast-paced. Enjoying yeah. the fast-paced, end-to-end action. I grew up with it, it with the NHL. Yeah. They grew up with it with the NBA. And even 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 the NFL, even, even though it has, like even, even yeah, though it has four play. hours of commercials, <laughs> when people run really fast and hit each other, that's awesome. So... Like, I get it. I get it. And, and the problem is, is right off the bat, people will not understand the beauty of watching a 90-minute game. Um, yeah. And like, I guess like you said, Barca versus PSG, you couldn't, sit a, you couldn't sit a regular American down and be like, this is what's awesome. Well, they could have done today because there were four goals in that okay, game. Okay, yeah. Okay, very true. Very true. As okay. we're recording now, very yeah. True. It, it was, yeah, that, that game got played today. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, then, we'll, then how about the other one? Benfica and Benfica Dortmund. One goal. Yeah, well, yeah, right. we'll call it that. They probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. so like you couldn't, you couldn't really sit down with them and be like, this, this is awesome, this, this huh? Is football, yeah, yeah. This, this is. And they'll look at you and be like, no. yeah, nothing's happening. It's like, nothing's <laughs> happening. You put the <laughs> ball in the net once. And that's the thing as well. Like again, no disrespect to the common American fan. And to be fair, it's not even the common American fan. It's the common football fan who, yeah, whose knowledge doesn't really. And again, this isn't a, a dig at them. Whose knowledge and kind of passion for it doesn't go beyond the sort of baseline level of which it entices you to watch it. They're not unless there's unless there's six goals, two sendings off, three disallowed goals, manager's been sent off for punching his assistant coach. It's probably boring to them, you know what yeah, I mean? So no, for sure. It's it's those kind of situations and those and those kind of cultural sort of attitudes that would that they've they've got to get over. And that's it's just another one of a multi multifaceted sort of problem that we're an obstacle that you're trying to overcome. Yeah, for sure. So overall, do you have an overall consensus of what the MLS needs to do? Obviously as a... Oh my God, you hear that? Wow, voice problems. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, what, the MLS, what the MLS needs time. to do, as a, as a fan, as a player, as a coach, and as a pseudo-analyst? Just, just a bare bones of what you think they need. Salary cap definitely. Salary cap's definitely going to improve things if they can raise that. Again, it's going to have to. Uh, it's going to have to be with the, uh, with the best interest of the league at heart, nurturing that young talent. Because again, I'm a romanticist when it comes to the game. I love that concept. It needs to be protected at all costs from where I'm sat. Um, anything else? Um, the standard of coaching uh, that we give our young players at every single level, whether it be at club level. Uh, whether it be at professional academies in particular and definitely at the Division 1 level uh, nurturing this young talent um, bringing them in better standard because this is eventually where they're going to come through it's going to be their stepping stone to the draft well, that's the whole point right? uh, exactly that's the whole point of it so with with that and I'm not knocking the standard of, of Division 1 soccer currently I know a lot of players that have that are playing at that level right now shout out to all them boys um, I was never good enough to play at Division 1 level so I would, I would hate to come across if I'm slagging it off but when we're talking about improving the MLS, that means that the whole system has got to improve, and that yeah. means Division One soccer's got to got to get better as well. And realistically, so if, if D one improves, then you have to think about all the players that won't make it to D one but are still good. They'll go to D two, 
and then it will be a trickle down effect, as, and then all as, leagues will get better. Yeah, right? exactly. And as as as, right? as vicious this kind of sounds, if the standard of Division One gets better, not only does that do what we said before about how the better players get then get fed into the MLS, thus making the MLS a better standard, but it means that Division One, the the, the bar of Division One gets gets raised to the point where you have to be even better to get there in the first place. You have to be yeah, you have to be even better. You really years have gone to by. Yeah, you re- yeah, you really have to be good from the from the get go. Yeah. Um to get into one of these division one schools, you yeah. know? So, like so not, the whole yeah. thing benefits, you know? It's like not only do you need to be physically adept, but you need to put in the time technically. And that's when it comes to the culture change. I think US the US Soccer Federation needs to sit down and really needs to develop a proper culture of playing uh, an identity. Um and I can feel if there's any listener that really agrees with that, which I hope they would, I can tell you firsthand that I'm longing for it as well as an England fan. We don't have an identity in our country, and our country is failing. Um, the F- the English FA has been a, a failing failing institute for years on years on years. Right. We were once successful, um, and because we've decided not to evolve with the times, we've regressed. And I would hate for that to happen to. U.S. soccer, but I suppose you have a, the the problem at the opposite end of the spectrum, where you're just starting out and you have to develop that identity from fresh. Yeah, I I have a question. This is going to be a completely unrelated MLS question. <laughs> so for for so for podcast listeners, if you don't really give a shit, you can uh, turn it off now. But um, I do you think what's the opinion in your country with your youth talent at the moment? Your youth talent coming through. Like, is there any? Yeah, we like, do. We, yeah, we do. Yeah, because okay. because a lot because a lot of the professional teams are showcasing guys like like there are some there are some that play like isn't Winks Harry like that Winks? Yeah, your boy Harry Winks at Tottenham. Yeah, yeah he's a talent. Um, I think the 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 big and the most positive thing to come out of youth football in England over the last few years was uh, Chelsea's FA Cup and UEFA Youth Champions League winning team, which featured Dom Solanke. Um, who went out on to Vitesse. I'm not sure. I've, I don't know if he's still at Vitesse um, or not, but he was out there doing his thing. Uh, Lou Baker as well. Um, I think he was at Vitesse. Izzy Brown was at Vitesse for a while. He's now yeah. doing really well for Huddersfield, um, part of that team that's on that amazing run. Uh, Casey Palmer, again, also at Huddersfield. Nathan Ake was brought um, back to... Uh, Nathan Ake, yeah, but at Bournemouth, uh, who yeah. was um, on loan at Bournemouth. Um Tammy Abraham, I'm not sure if I've already said him, but this guy is lighting up the championship at the minute, even though his Bristol City team aren't doing too well and are flirting with relegation at the minute in the championship. He's scored, I think it's 22 goals um, at the age of, what, he's, he's 19, 20. Oh, um, so, you know, we've, we've got young talent coming through, and that's just one team. That's just one team that's producing these young players. Um, but this goes back to a wider issue of foreign imports coming into yeah. uh, into the Premier League yeah. and not giving our homegrown players that much of a platform to impress um, which you know without getting into that just scratching the surface on that that's what's affecting our youth talent at the moment but the talent's there your boy Marcus Rashford um, coming true. through um, John Stones um, who will be if I'm calling it right now will be a future England captain uh, he's in the best place for, for his development under Guardiola Um so it's, it is positive in terms of some of the young talent coming through, but again, will they get the platform to really kick on and be a part of that England setup? Time will only tell. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, to recap, for me, I think the salary cap should be increased by a minute amount. The standards do need to get better in the NCAA 
from a coaching standpoint uh, and a technical standpoint for the players. And I believe a stronger professional academy atmosphere needs to be made. Um, and and that's, that's what I think is going to help us, us as the MLS fans, really get on the backs of MLS teams and help support them. If you're bringing through guys that have played in the city, you, you, you got to love that. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. You, everybody loves a success story. Yeah, everybody loves a success story. So, and I, I would love people to come through the NCAA and do well in the MLS. You know, maybe not everybody's built for it, but uh, I do. Uh, I am an optimist in that sense. And, and that's so. the thing as well, isn't it? I think that the 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 ultimate word at the end of it is all that these that the MLS Division One college soccer, youth soccer, everything about soccer in America and and Canada has has got to hold itself to a higher standard. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. It's all just pretty much pretty much the bottom line. It's just higher it's, standard. It's got to be higher standard all around. Yep. Instead go do it. You're the Imagineers yeah, who work in, at the USSF. Go do it. Instead of looking at the, instead of looking at the other leagues and being like, like oh, "Wow, no, I wish we had that." Yeah. yeah. Wow, I wish I had that. They gotta idolize that man. And, go and, on, and Imagineer. Aspire, yeah, you gotta aspire to be that good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's gonna to be difficult to be that good. Exactly. And it's oh, yeah, this is not a not a couple year process. This is gonna be 15, 20, oh, 25 yeah. years in the making. Couple decades. Well, that's the thing. I think this is this is what what it's come to. I think that if you really. If you want the quality of the of the MLS to prosper and for this country to be one of the top dogs in in, in world football uh, one day, um, the, these are these are the steps you got to take. You know, the, it it can be done. It's going to be a long drawn out process, and it's never been tougher than it than it is right now. Um, you know, with all the money and all the other leagues chucking money at, at football, but you know, you, you, these are what the Imagineers of the USSF are there are there for. Go yeah. develop this game for this country that's crying out for it. Yeah, for sure. And we will end it on that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the second episode of MLS Junkie, and we will talk to you later.